With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <gasps> yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Episode 149, we are live and in living, and like a monkey, if you will. So good to be back, Derek, and so good to be back with my boy, Derek, Pancakes and Power Slam's co-host. How are you tonight, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. How's everything going with you, Chris? You're the one with all the big news tonight. Again, 90 minutes is never going to be enough for the two of us and our friends with Ryan Fuqua and all the special guests you have and all the people that call in. I mean, there's just not enough. Pancakes and Power Slams Nation is always alive. And, uh, you know, what's the big news with you? What's going on with you? Man, I uh, have I've had many, many sleepless nights. <laughs> and, uh, man, my wife's a trooper. She uh, She's doing, you know, the best she can, and she's hardly getting any sleep. And, I'm a very soft sleeper myself, so yeah, I, I'm getting hardly any sleep as well. I mean, when I say hardly any, I mean hardly any. I mean, the, the baby's crying all the time, and the sleep is a very um, minimal thing that I'm getting. And it's 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 a friend that I that I've lost uh, that that has gone away, and and I really want to. 
find again. I, I really missed uh, my friend's sleep, and I really want to <laughs> reconnect with my friend's sleep because sleep is a wonderful thing, and I have been uh, deprived of that for the past week, uh, over a week now. Eight days ago is when uh, we had our ba- our second boy, and but. To, more than more more than all of that, though, uh, just <laughs> a few hours of sleep a day. More importantly than all that is the beauty of birth. I, I'm a huge proponent of the beauty of birth, and and every time I look into that uh, beautiful little eight eight day old boy's eyes, I am just uh, enamored with joy and glee and uh, appreciation. Uh, appreciation to God for allowing me to uh, birth uh, another baby into this world and pass the Featherstone legacy on, um, and just continue, just continue to 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 spread the love in in every way you can think of it. So, with my very very minimal sleep, with my extreme fatigue, hey, I. Uh, I went to the gym tonight. I got me an Amped Energy drink. Uh, we're not paying. We're not paying to advertise Amped Energy, but uh, it's worth advertising tonight because uh, it's going to keep me up for the show. But I'm excited. I always get excited with wrestling talk, and that alone is a natural high. Would you agree, Derek? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the Featherstone, the Featherstone legacy is going to be as big as the Von Erichs. So, <laughs> I know, like you, it. <laughs> you got you got to keep that up, and you know, a couple more, three or four, and then you're set, man. All right, man. I, I, I'll be the I'll be the Fritz of the family. I, I suppose that uh, that would work. I, I you know, uh, very, very, very sadly, uh, I hope I hope that the, uh, the the I hope that my family doesn't. Follow the same trail as Devon Eric's. Very, very well, sad to say it's that, but that. it's but it's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but at the same time, uh, you know, past all the personal problems from Devon Eric's, uh, from a wrestling standpoint, they left an amazing uh, trail, an amazing legacy. Uh, so much, in so much that they are WWE Hall of Famers. So, really, really uh, um, can understand why it's important to. To respect the Von Erichs, and uh, I tell you what, man, Kerry uh, Von Erich was, uh, with, with, without question, Kerry Von Erich was one of my favorite wrestlers as a kid. I was a huge fan uh, of, of of the Texas Tornado, uh, and when he was with World Class Championship Wrestling, he was the modern day warrior. So, I was a big fan of Kerry Von Erich. There was something about Kerry Von Erich that was just infectious. He he had he had the look. He had the charisma. You know he had the um, you, you know he he had the 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 physique that every man uh, dream to to be like and every woman dream to be with. So you know he he was just he was just a man. He had charisma, and when he was Texas Tornado in the WWE, he, he won an Intercontinental Championship. And to me, it was something about. Kerry Von Erich that was just that just screamed main eventer. He was the man in world class, but of course, you know, of course in WWE he didn't get as 
he didn't get as far as uh, I'd like at the time. I remember 1990 was his big year when, uh, or was it 91 when he beat Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship? I think it was 90 uh, that he beat uh, Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship and um, really had an amazing year that year as a Texas Tornado and the spinning punch that he would do and man, I was a huge fan of Kerry Von Erich. Oh, I definitely was. And the thing about Kerry Von Erich is I always knew who he was because I'd read the magazines, but mm-hmm. I never really saw him perform until he came to the WWE and uh, was the Texas Tornado. I loved him. I thought he was awesome. He was great. And to read about his lineage, his history, like, you know, back in, you know, the early 80s with with Ric Flair, the David uh, Von Erich Memorial, and just, I mean, so much stuff mm-hmm. he's done with Jerry Lawler down in Memphis. I mean, he has been, he was the modern-day warrior. And, I mean, he is such an underrated performer. I mean, he's he's in that class, but they don't mention him enough. But, I mean, just to mention him is, you know, of course. He belongs in that class. I mean, his spinning hit was just, it was awesome. It was always spot on. Almost reminds you of the Superman punch that a Roman Reigns does. Yeah. So, Kerry yeah. Von Erich for sure, man. He was, you know, before I actually got to see him perform, I knew how important he was. And uh, when yeah. I did see him perform, I was a total mark. So, it was awesome. Absolutely. I was I was a total mark as well. You know, I never really had a chance to really see David Von Erich. I think he died in 83. Um and I was a little, little bitty baby at that time. Uh, but, well, not not a little bitty baby, but I was very, very, very young at that time. I was the same age as my boy, as my, my oldest son. But, yeah, I, uh, David was, David was, uh, he, he was, he was really uh, uh, pinned to be the Von Erich. He he was he was really coined, he was really um uh, he was really uh, uh purpose or 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 really uh, coined to be the the Von Erich and um he had some good matches with Flair in 80, you know, in the early 80s. I believe it was 83 when he when he when he passed. But yeah, he him and Flair uh they they went at it. I think it was like a a DQ finish that he had against Flair uh, for the NWA uh, World Heavyweight Championship. And, yeah, I mean, they really was going to make David Von Erich the man and, you know, talk about your untimely deaths. I mean, we can go down the Von Erich list about, uh, you know, concerning that. But, yeah, I mean, and and I, I've looked at some tape. I've, I've, I've looked at some tape of Derek. Uh, excuse me, of, of David, and yeah, I I see the 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 I mean, just the Von Erich family. Period. Just uh, Carrie and David, and even Kevin. Kevin with the, uh, you know, with with no with no socks and no shoes on. One of I think he was probably one of the first feet wrestlers that I remember uh, when I was a kid. I always remember Kevin for having no socks and no shoes on. Uh, wrestling in world class, and it was something about just uh, Kevin and, and especially Carrie that was just absolutely amazing. And I, you know, I would I would venture to say that the Von Erics is probably the 
most popular family, wrestling family of all time. And I say that because of this. Of course, the Guerreros, they probably, the Guerreros have probably the best lineage uh, of uh, as far as family wrestling is concerned. But Eddie, Eddie is really the only, well, the Hearts, and we'll, I'll, I'll get to the Hearts in a minute. But Eddie's really the only person that really shined out of the Guerrero family. Of course, you had Hector and Chavo Sr. and, and just all the, you know, the, the lineage of Guerreros that, you know, go from generation to generation. And, of course, Chavo Jr., you know, he was a ECW champion and he was a tag team champion, but never really anything else and um, has some interesting angles. He, You know, he had a good feud with CM Punk and ECW and, uh, he had a good feud with uh, with Rey Mysterio, of course, but you know he he was never really the guy. You know, he was never really a standout guy as far as a main event guy. Uh, and as far as the Hearts are concerned, the same thing. Bret Bret Hart was the guy. Owen Hart could have been the guy, but even with even before Owen's passing, he was in the business for quite some time at that at that point of time and. They still gave him the shaft as far as 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 far as really having the opportunity to be the guy, and yeah, I and and with with the with the Von Erichs, and of course the Wyndhams is a, is another uh, you know family that that has some lineage to it, but Barry was only the guy. But with the with the with the Von Erichs to me. It world class was such an amazing territory in the early '80s, and at that time, you know, Michael was was a, a world champion there. Uh, Kerry was a world champion there, and even with Kerry, Kerry went on to become NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So. And and Michael before his passing he was on he was pegged he he was on on his way to become NWA World Heavyweight Champion so it was just something about the family as a unit when you come when you come to the Guerreros the the Guerreros was never known during one period of wrestling of being a family unit of course there's heritage that came with the Guerrero name but. The, the 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 unit of the Guerreros, the unit of the Hearts, uh, weren't even there. And as far as the Hearts are concerned, you know, you got Brett and Owen, and then you have you know Stu, but they weren't a unit at the time. You know, in world class, you had you had Kerry, you had David, you had uh, you 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 had uh, Kevin, you had Chris, you had Fritz. You know, all of the Von Eriks were together as a unit, and I don't think we've ever seen something. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that, uh, at least in the past forty years, um, as far as a unit like that as, as family is concerned. And, and to be honest with you, I don't even know if we'll ever see something like that as far as the Von Eriks are concerned. No, I don't think you will. You absolutely hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's like the Von Erichs are almost like the Jackson Five. It's you know you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with yep. the Von Erichs, I mean, again, it was, they were all together. They were the unit. They were all the brothers, and the father, 
And, I mean, they just, they were in their primes all in the same time. And, you know, you've had their tragedies with them and everything, but, I mean, they all went to perform against the likes of Ric Flair. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's great for championships. So that was an absolute dynasty at the time in Texas. I have a sister, or no, I'm sorry, sister-in-law. My cousin married a girl from Dallas, and uh, she knew that I liked wrestling and blah, blah, blah. And when I first met her, she was like, have you ever heard of the Von Erichs? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I have. You know, she was like, oh, my goodness. I grew up in Texas back in the 80s, and the Von Erichs were bigger than Michael Jordan. I mean, that just tells you what the impact they had, and she lived outside of Dallas. And it's, it, Von Erichs were a dynasty. They are a dynasty. That's just their, they are the greatest family in wrestling, period. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, with that being said, with, with, speaking of families, I'm going to transition real quick before we get into Raw to another family, the Dos Caras family, the Dos Caras and Dos Caras Jr. And uh, Dos Caras Jr. is better known as Alberto Del Rio, who is now known as Alberto El Patron. And of course, El Patron means the boss. And I've been checking him out. On Ring of Honor, fantastic match against Christopher Daniels uh, at, at a previous uh, Ring of Honor episode. And I did not like, I, I liked Alberto Del Rio's character in the very beginning, when he very when he first came um, in the WWE. I liked his character. I think it, just the smugness of his heel character was, I loved it. Uh, there's something about cocky heels that I like. But they really decided to they decided to take his character in a different position that was just not helpful to him at all. And I think when he lost to Edge at uh, I think it was twenty eight that he lost to Edge, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to a twenty yeah I think it was twenty eight that he lost. In two thousand eleven, he won the Royal Rumble. Uh, that was twenty seven. Yeah, so so it was twenty seven he lost to Edge. And so he won the Royal Rumble two thousand eleven and he lost uh, his match um in two thousand eleven. And I think after that is what really uh what really hurt his character when he lost his mania match to Edge and then subsequently lost the next month to Christian at Extreme Rules when Edge was forced to retire. Um, but I think that really hurt his character, and he never really got a chance to rebound after that. He he won a few world titles. He won, I think he won two WWE titles and two uh, World Heavyweight Championships. Um, but he never really had a chance to really rebound after that. But I tell you what, him leaving the WWE is a blessing in disguise because I can see how over he was in AAA when he had a mask. This guy oozes charisma. I had the amazing opportunity with uh, Ryan this weekend to uh, go to the Dayton show and Ring of Honor. And, uh, by the way, cheap plug, pictures of the show was on the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. But I had a chance to go there. Fantastic. I've been to many ROH shows. Fantastic show in Dayton. And he went against 
Roderick Strong, and I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. This was that that match was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life, and top to bottom, bell to bell, one of the best matches I've ever seen. And it was such an amazing, amazing feel to it, and you could tell that El Patron, Alberto El Patron, is really in his. He's away from the politics of the WWE, and you can tell. I mean, even when he started coming out with, uh, when he started coming out and as Alberto Del Rio, um, towards the latter part of his reign, you can tell that his heart wasn't in it. But you know, the Lucha Underground, he's with them now. He's with ROH now, and you can really tell that his his zeal is back. He he was so over in Dayton. It was absolutely amazing how over he was and how much charisma he has uh, outside of the WWE. You can just really tell. And you can tell that he loves the business. I saw the match with uh, Christopher Daniels on TV, and, of course, I saw... The, uh, I saw it live, you know, in Dayton against Roderick Strong. And you could just tell how much he loves the business. It was absolutely amazing. And I tell you what, man, kudos to Alberto El Patron. He he won me over. He he won me over because I wasn't a fan of his for quite some time now because I thought he was boring. But he just turned over. He, he just turned over a new leaf to me when he showed me how much charisma he has outside of the WWE. Absolutely amazing. Kudos to Amazing ROH Show. And just uh, and, and real quick, there's some rumblings going on that the WWE is interested in bringing on someone that the Pancakes and Power Slam show interviewed a few months ago, and that's Moose. So if this is true, and they bring on Moose, Pancakes and Power Slam show needs some uh, uh, needs some type of something in that deal, uh, but yeah, kudos to Moose, man. I really hope that it's uh, the, these these rumblings are true. That would be absolutely amazing, and we would possibly be able to see Moose versus Brock Lesnar after all. So, uh, kudos to ROH right now, and uh, kudos to Alberto El Patron and Moose. Oh. Good, definitely. I saw El Patron's first match on uh, Ring of Honor. On a, it wasn't live. I'm sorry I missed that show, but it was uh, on a flat screen TV, so it was pretty big, big screen TV. But, uh, again, his arrogance and his I, – I can understand. And, yeah, I think he's been a lot better outside of WWE because, uh, I mean, they can use him as a main eventer, and he can actually kind of pull the strings and really make that happen for himself. Um and ROH is the place to be right now as far as just wrestling independence and coming up acts. So, I mean, definitely it was a kind of a step up for him because he was a stalemate in WWE and wasn't going to go anywhere. But he's got a new beginning here, and I'm, I'm totally stoked to continue watching him uh, do it. The only thing that annoyed me when he came out in the car, when he was in a WWE, when he kept honking the horn, <laughs> yeah, that annoyed me. I yeah. hated that. I mean, just, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, like, stop doing that. But other than that, yeah. you know, I don't. Well, 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 I mean, he's doing great for himself, and I, I, was, I was glad to see him. I was glad to watch that match, and he did excellent. So, perfect. Yeah. 
Absolutely, and you can you can you can really tell that he loves the business. His WWE stint didn't really give him justice. Now I really, I very very lightly follow him as Das Karas in AAA. Um, I'm big into Japan wrestling, but AAA wrestling is just not um, something that I follow a lot. I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen AAA matches. I've seen uh, Mystico before he was Sin Cara, and um, of course when. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of the other uh, superstars that came to uh, the WWE from 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 AAA. Um, yeah, I believe that Jared has had a run there too. Uh, rec- uh, not recently, but f- uh, some years back, semi recently. But yeah, he had a run there, and there's a lot of uh, WWE uh, wrestlers that had a run in tr- in AAA. And so, uh, of course, Rey Mysterio uh, and, and Jericho. But yeah, I uh, so so that part of AAA I follow, but I don't I don't follow AAA like on a weekly basis. Um, but you know, the the buzz of El Patron being there or, or, or Das Karas uh, being there, you know, was was very known <laughs> that that uh, he was there and he was the man uh, in in. Um, in AAA, and I can I can certainly see it uh, with the, without a doubt. I I can see it, and the charisma that he has is uh, absolutely amazing. Um, and so so kudos to kudos to El Patron uh, for that, ladies and gentlemen. We will have our raw talk on the other side. We'll be right back. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, free, our mind, let's go. The whole squad is making it clear, we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play, these big boys play. Like who defies the living God, get out the big boys way. Outsiders with the swoop in, we live as kings, you see in us. But our third man waits in the wings, and when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo, cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin, with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent, to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never crippled. No bin walls in my cross face. <laughs> From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am Glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals, using God for my defense in Alabama We jamming, that's beautiful Bobby eating me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat Tie the do-rag before we do battle You're talking shit, you are what you speak This too sweet Till the is took back We reppin' that work pack The foundation shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that Trusting God, we trust Pushing forward, never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stamping out this crook rap He turning the power we're on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king, sold out this war, it's brutal. We playing them war games, our army go move too. You 
through. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming. Steiner Brothers, we love it. Demand the win. Establish it. This the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Hey, yo. It's survey time. Did you come here to listen to any of the other radio shows? Or did you come here to listen to the P and P? Survey says, one more for the good guys. Pancakes and Power Slams episode 149. Before we get to Raw, if you didn't listen to me last week, which I'm sure you did, I was on there for a hiccup last week. Just wanted to let everybody know, you know, a day after uh, my little boy was born, just to give the announcement and just to um, uh, give the announcement of that and also give the announcement of the special guest. Uh, host for episode 150 next week, and of course, that person would be former WWE superstar JTG, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm very, very excited to um, to talk to JTG and to see what his thoughts are on WWE product and how his release uh, came came down, and sure it was uh, it was with a lot of controversy, so... Pretty excited about that and where he is right now as far as his indie work and his body Spartan. Um, I'm not getting paid to plug that, too, but I'll plug Body Spartan uh, any any day of the week, man. Bodyspartan.com. Go there. I'll tell you what, Tyler Rex is a great guy. And, uh, yeah, he spearheads uh, Bodyspartan.com. Uh, if you want to be a fitness – if you know, everybody – I've been in – you know, I've been in fitness for 10 years now, and I think it's incredibly important. Uh, your health is very, very important. And uh, Body Spartan, uh, the, the team over at Body Spartan really gives you a awesome regimen to uh, to really help with not knowing what to do, when to do it, and um, not knowing what exercises to do to work on this and that. Uh, BodySpartan.com certainly gives... Uh, an amazing uh, regimen and some some really good help for for that. Or if you're uh, if you like to lift weights like myself and want to do something a little bit um, more difficult and push yourself a little harder, uh, definitely a avenue for that as well. So go to bodysporting.com and check them out. And of course, JTG is part of the team and just getting really uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, um, special guests for episode 150. Very, very excited about that. And we got a lot of stuff going on in Pancakes and Power Slams. And, you know, again, Chris, we've been in the show for a while, and we haven't heard a trivia question yet. And I was just about... (laughs) I was just about to ask you one. How appropriate. So the first trivia question goes to you, or as Hulk Hogan would say, you, Derek. And that is, 
what wrestler was known as the Boogie Woogie Man? Jimmy Valiant. Yes, you are correct. The Boogie Woogie Man, yeah. Jimmy Valiant. I was a big I was a big fan. It's cheesy. You know what's so funny about Jimmy Valiant? People, gimmicks like that, and that's a flavor of the week topic in and of itself. Gimmicks that would not work these days. The old gimmicks that just would not work. And yes, I, I think that's we're gonna. I, I think that even maybe next week's uh, usually have uh, them ready uh, and in store. But I think that that might uh, jump ahead of a few. I think uh, it might be next week's or. Um, Sometime in the next month or so, I think that we we will do that because that alone is absolutely uh, funny and, and a funny topic and a fantastic topic to talk about because people like Boogie Woogie, Jimmy Valiant, would absolutely get booed out of the arena these days. But back in the early 80s, NWA, he was the man Boogie Woogie Jimmy Valiant was. And he his gear was just so hilariously funny. He had like, you know, some some striped gear going on. He looked like some type of uh uh blonde blonde haired zebra. And it was just absolutely funny. Just but there was something about the little boogie woogie dance that he would do, kinda like, you know, what J Y D did. And it just worked. It, it worked, and it was successful. And I was a big fan of of Jimmy Valiant back in the back in the eighties. I mean, they had a lot of stuff going on for him. I mean, it was uh, like the New Age Outlaws back in the eighties. And uh, speaking of New Age Outlaws, yeah, they came back and lost, but it was good to see him again. However, Jimmy Valiant was somebody that you know, the Valiant brothers. They really made a the tag team division back in the day. And you just, I mm-hmm. wish there was some team this day, Chris. I wish there was some team that could take this by storm and just make the tag team division there. So the Usos have done it. They need competition. Does the Ascension have I a agree. competition? No. Uh, well, they're, they're, they're seeming they, – they seem to be pushing the Ascension – um, I don't know what they're going to do with the Ascension of Mania. I, I still, I've, I've said this for weeks now, and I still, I'm still going to stick to my guns with with this. I still think they're going to have some type of nostalgia match at Mania. We're only, you know, what six weeks away from Mania, so whoever, you know, the the builds need to hurry up and happen right now. I mean. They need to start building WrestleMania as we speak. And they've done it for a few things, but not enough for sure. And something, and before we get to that, before we get to the tag teams, I do want to address the Stone Cold podcast with, with uh, Triple H. And I liked it. You know, I was just discussing with with some colleagues on Twitter about it. And, and, and one person said it, it, it was disappointed. And I I liked it. Uh, personally, I liked it. I think the podcast was good. You know, when it was better than I expected. That's probably why I liked it, because it's better than I expected. Because as much as Steve Austin isn't 
you know, doesn't care about kayfabe. Triple H kind of has no choice but to stay in kayfabe because he's Triple H. And so, you know, he he embodies the WWE. He embodies the essence of the WWE. So for him to step out of kayfabe at all is kind of like, you know, stepping out, out of himself. So, you know, but I think that, I think it was a good balance. I think that Steve Austin uh, really... Uh, cornered him a lot in a lot uh, of the of the interview, which was good. That it, it forced Triple H to step outside of kayfabe, which is good. And I think it was very important. You know, I, I just I wasn't interested in seeing any type of just cheesy uh, kayfabe filled interview. And I had a feeling that Austin wasn't going to do that, and he and he did. Uh, and he did not do that, so so I was I was very happy uh, about that. So so kudos to uh, Steve Austin uh, for that. But Triple H shared a lot of really good things, and I was really happy about the. I, I was really happy about the, what I saw, and how Triple H just really ex- talked about how you know in a lot of in a lot of ways kayfabe is dead and you know and, and I and I agree with that and he was talking about how it's just a different breed and you know how to address the the smart marks and it was just a really really good rich interview and a couple things that he said that really stood out he talked about punk of course but there was a couple things that he said that really stood out to me one of them was uh, he was asked, um, "What would he do? <laughs> what, what would he do? What 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 is one thing that he would change about Raw?" And he said that he would make it two hours. And you know that was an amen moment to to the max because just uh, he, he was saying that third hour was so hard to write and uh, so hard to you know to write and it's from a creative standpoint and it and it really and I can see it because you and I we've seen it and I'm sure just about every other person who watches raw consistently sees it that the third hour is just pointless in the first place because a lot of it are a, a lot of it is is filled with just recaps and you know just social media stuff and it's just filled with that so none of that is important it's like it's like they ingrained wwe live wire into raw now that's basically what what i the, the type of feel that i get by at least an hour of raw and every single and even austin said something about this compared to nxt and because Every single Raw is a 20 to 30 minute promo. Even Austin says something about that. Uh, you know, you and I, and, 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 and when I interviewed Matt Taven, he, he mentioned something about that uh, in his interview, which made so much sense when he when he guest hosted. And I've been saying something about that for a long time, and you have too. But, you know, every promo is 20 to 30 minutes starting raw and it usually involves John Cena and or the authority. But with NXT, it, you know, we don't get a lot of pro, a lot of long promos. It's just really good wrestling again. And I you know, when when you're dealing with raw, 
you really, you really, it's just it's storyline building, which is important, the entertainment part, but it still boils down to a lot of just fluff, and we don't want to see fluff. We want to see good story building, which goes into the second thing that I, I, I the second biggest takeaway that I got from that interview is that he said that you know a lot of times people don't. They they want it and they want it now and and I've said that and I've even wrote, written articles about that I totally agree with that and he said that he's a fan of the slow burn uh, he, he's a big fan of the slow build and just really spending time with building characters and I'm like I think that that's great but where is it we we don't see it with anybody and and of course Vince has the la- the final say with everything but it's like. Why can't you do that with Roman Reigns? And, and which, which is a perfect segue into into Raw, you know. And we'll talk about Raw and how it ended, and and just theories that can come up from that. But I really wish that we would see those two big things that Triple H emphasized, actually incorporated, you know, on Raw. But it's Vince's, you know, like he says, at, like he said, at the end of the day, Vince has the final say. But Whatever happened to the theory and the art of a slow build with the wrestler not rushing him, which could potentially bury and just sabotage his character? Hope we don't see that with Roman Reigns. Uh, you'll see that with Roman Reigns. It's already happened. But to me, one of the things, the genius things, is whoever thought that Triple H would be in the position that he is in now. Yeah. Whoever thought that. You think of him back in the 90s when he was DX, he was Shawn Michaels left hand. <laughs> he was just there. Or even before that, even before that, even the Terror Rising and John Paul Levesque when he was in WCW, he was just talk about your you know, your your second or third match mid card guy. I remember I remember his one of his first I think one of Dust Wonderkin Alex Wright's first matches, he beat Triple H. If you if anybody remembers Alex Wright, you know uh, yeah, he he had a, a hiccup of a career in WCW, and, you know, he's back in Germany. I don't think he's came back since, and that was like mid to late uh, 90s. So, but he beat Triple H when he was uh, John Paul Levesque, and that really goes to show just the direction that they had for, for Triple H or, you know, John Paul Levesque or John Paul Lovesome at the time as well. And, and Terror Rising was another gimmick name they had for him. So he had to look even at, at that time, but they didn't really see anything in him to, to really make him a top guy. And to go from that to one of the most powerful people in the WWE is absolutely mind-boggling to me. Yeah, exactly, but I mean, he's got. He, I, I think he knows what he's doing. I mean, I really do. With the WWE, I mean, he clashes with Vince with uh, what you read on the dirt sheet sometimes. But I give him a kudos for it. I'm behind Triple H, and uh, I think that he knows, for the most part, that you know what wrestling fans want. And again, but he's got. Vince McMahon to uh, shoot and veto his bills. So that's uh, what yeah. kind of 
makes it a treat in some part. But, uh, again, I really think that Triple H pretty much has a better mind for it. And I can't go wrong with Triple H as far as somebody that, you know, I kind of agree with his analogy at times. I do, but I don't. But I'm not one to totally dismiss it and say that he's absolute garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, I wouldn't say he won me over, you know, because I've I've talked to, 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 we've interviewed many wrestlers, and I've talked to many wrestlers um, over the past few years and uh, through the show and through uh, other websites that I've that I've uh, wrote for, I've talked to many wrestlers, and you know some say some say that uh, he's all about bearing them, and and others say that uh, uh, he's he's been a, a really good mentor to them. I would attribute that to, and I've heard some. You know some comments that's been said, you know that he said before, and that was very offensive. Uh, so you know, I, I I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like a tug of war with Triple H. But what I will say from a business standpoint, if he has won me over at all at anything, I think he's won me over from a business standpoint because. NXT is absolutely amazing to me. I love NXT. I love the uh, the storylines. I love just the organic feel to it. And, you know, everyone should watch NXT. And it's starting to really become a brand of itself, like a, a standalone brand. And, you know, it gets to the point where when you can – when you, when you can really do a fantastic job just rebuilding someone's character like a Tyson Tyson Kidd uh even Titus O'Neil, you know, in, in some regards. But I I would say that NXT really 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 made if it if it revived anyone's career the most, I would certainly say Tyson Kidd because it really did um, um, it really did revive his career. And speaking of that, we have a, a comment on the RealWrestling dot net live stream right now about Justin Gabriel. Um, we, uh, yeah, I've I've seen this already with the reports, but it's, it's definitely worth noting. Justin Gabriel could have revived his character in NXT. I definitely think he would have been a really really good NXT champion. His matches with Adrian Neville and and uh, his match with uh, Hideo Itami was really good as well. But for some reason, they did not want to use him. They didn't see something in him, which I don't think they really gave him the opportunity. And like I said, I think he'll do absolutely well in Japan. He's already going to be on Pro Wrestling Syndicate here uh, shortly, going back to his PJ Black character name. But man, you know, basically the reports are they he he came he came to to Raw earlier in the day, right before the Royal Rumble, and he was told that they didn't have anything for him. He went out and you know supposedly he went out and uh, and did some some adventure some adventurous activities, and I think it was like jet skiing or something like that it was just something very adventurous and he comes back and they said 
They don't have anything for him. So he leaves. He's done. He's like, I'm tired of this. And so they call him and say, okay, yeah, we got something for you. Where are you? And he said, hey, I'm I'm out of here. I'm I'm gone. I left. And it's like that's 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 so shady to me. I I just don't. I've always thought that Justin Gabriel was just underrated and underutilized because he could really put on a show. He has an amazing athleticism. And I think the Daryl Wolf gimmick was, you know, had an opportunity to to work. I remember they gave him some some promo, some vignettes uh, on on SmackDown not too long ago, probably a couple of years ago, probably. Uh, you know, he's from South Africa, and just gave him some decent, you know, vignettes. But man, they they just really didn't give him an opportunity that he really deserved. I. I was hoping that he, at the time, they, they, they gave him a couple wins over Cesaro when he was U.S. champion. And I think that culminated to like a pre-show match for U.S. title that he lost. That was probably, the as far as the singles run is concerned, that's probably the, the best, the, the furthest they took him. And he, and he was getting over. Gabriel, at that point in time, he was getting over. And he could have, I think he should have had a U.S. title run, or at least a, you know, a mid-card title run. It would have not hurt anyone. He has the athleticism to really be, a, a, you know, a really good featured attraction on, on a pay-per-view. But, yeah, I mean, they really gave him, they, they really gave him the shaft when it, when it, when it came to uh, potentially being, being a really good, notable name as a singles competitor in the WWE. I was ashamed, man. Justin Gabriel had a lot to contribute, but uh, they just didn't hone on to it and make it worth its while. And that's a shame. And that happens a lot. And I'm so tired of talking about the fact that, you know, people like Fondango uh, and uh, Owen Hart, of the wrestling business, just kind of go out of style and just fizzle out, and that's just too bad. Well, they've got so much talent there, but they build so much on the big people that they want to push, but they don't put enough emphasis on the people that can really make them a lot better, put on better matches, and just make the whole thing a better spectacle. So, I mean, to me, honestly, the Gabriel releasing is, Garbage, but they've been doing garbage with him for a long time. So good for him. I'm glad. You know, New Japan, they need a lot of prospects down there. So, I mean, we honestly just have to follow his career. If you really want to see this guy to the fullest, you'll follow him. And that's what everybody should do. Absolutely. So... Nineteen. Here's, an, here's another trivia question for you, or and or I. I'll give you. I'll give you dibs on trivia questions first me, today, yeah. just because I'm a nice guy. Yes, <laughs> so in the early '80s, uh, this guy uh, w- was in the. He had the tag team of the year with um, with, with with Ricky Steamboat. And his name is who? Jay Youngblood. Whoa, look at you. I get that right, Jay. Jay Youngblood. 
<laughs> Jay Youngblood, uh, indeed, absolutely. Tag Team of the Year with uh, with, with Ricky Steamboat, 1983. Good job. Whoa, look, uh, I'm I'm impressed by that. I'm impressed. Great, great job. So, um, let's get to Raw. Uh, let's get to Raw. Let's uh, take a, a, a deep breath and, and, and get to Raw. We'll be right back. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam Show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. So the hot topic right now is uh, Kalisto's potential gimmick. Um, they're they're thinking about calling him up, taking him off the mask, and giving him a very very horrible gimmick. Uh, that's really sad. Uh, let's just hope it doesn't happen. Let let's get to raw. <laughs> Let's get the raw. Starts off with uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon talking about, you know, uh, they they've been talking about their their big announcement going on, and you know, as far as uh, the the main event for WrestleMania is concerned. And so what what ends up happening is, you know, them addressing the uh, the controversy. And this leads to, to Roman Reigns coming out and saying, you know, um, no, he's not going to give up his, uh, his his spot. And then you get uh, you, you get Daniel Bryan to come out and just kind of um, say that uh, he never got his uh, opportunity back. And then you got Seth Rollins coming out and saying that uh, you know he he made himself known, this and that, and. This leads to a match. This leads to a main event match between Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins, and the and the winner uh, facing uh, Re- uh, Roman Reigns at Fastlane. We'll get to the you know we'll get to, to to the culmination of who won that. But I think that that segment, uh, I don't think it really lived to the hype of of what's this big announcement. But I do think that uh, it led us to. At least creating some type of intrigue for Fastlane because, first of all, the name is just generic, too generic to even invest in, and secondly, you know it's it's the pay per view right before Mania, so you know it's not it doesn't it's not much for me to be interested in uh, because of who they're you know trying uh, of their just lack of of booking for the pay per view. Yeah, you got John Cena versus Rusev, but. I really don't want to see that. So, at least this segment brought some intrigue uh, for watching the pay-per-view. It brought some intrigue, but, man, it was so boring. And the thing most about it is with Fastlane, I don't want to know who... Roman Reigns shouldn't have to uh, defend his uh, spot at WrestleMania. He won the Royal Rumble. You won the match. That's the stipulation. If you win the Royal Rumble, you go to WrestleMania and fight the champion. There shouldn't be, oh, she was taken back from you. For me, that just royals the whole thing. You cannot do that. I mean, seriously, Chris, that is against the rules. 
how can they just tell somebody, you won the Royal Rumble, we don't think you're absolutely 100% guaranteed for WrestleMania spot. I don't have to prove myself to anybody, whether it be Daniel Bryan, whether it be Seth Rollins. You can't make me do that, but okay, I'm going to do it. So, fail for Rollins. I'm sorry, fail for Reigns, because I don't think he should have had to go for that match. He got the spot. That's it. I think the I think the biggest problem is, and I and I think Austin did a really good job explaining this on the, on the podcast. He explained how, you know, you, you can't just keep going. You you just can't keep changing stuff because a pocket you know a pocket of people don't agree with it. That's always going to happen. And if you book Roman Reigns to be champ, book him to be champ. Now, I you know, I said that it, it caused some intrigue to lead to fast lane, but that's not more I mean, that's not the big point here. The big point is they should have not made Roman Reigns the the, the Royal Rumble winner and should have booked Roman Reigns to have a uh, a nice, you know, top level match for Raw for, for for WrestleMania to to really build his character as, as as Triple H was talking about as far as the slow builds that are beneficial, but I mean it's like if you're going to have situations like this where you won the the Royal Rumble, but you know a, a week later, you know a week, uh, well, two weeks later. There's controversy behind it, you know, and uh, man, I don't. There's no, first of all, there wasn't any controversy of the Royal Rumble. He eliminated Big Show and Kane, and then Rusev came in. He was outside, and he eliminated Rusev. He speared him and eliminated him. There wasn't any controversy behind it, but you know, of course, to please the the Smarks. You know there had to be some type of controversy behind it, and it's like you know I really don't I really don't get that. If you want to keep the essence, if you want to keep the integrity of the Royal Rumble, you know just don't have these random. You know I, I I'm gonna have this person win the Royal Rumble just to change it up. Batista was the perfect example for last year. Now you know that's. <laughs> that kind of went in a, in a good way because, you know, nobody wanted Batista to main event WrestleMania in a singles match against Randy Orton. That just would have been a catastrophe. But don't have him win the Royal Rumble in the first place. That's that's the problem. Why would you have Batista win the Royal Rumble? The Royal Rumble should be won by people who really need the rub. Now, I was so upset when John Cena won the Royal Rumble a couple years ago and Ryback was the runner-up. I was so upset about that because John Cena did not need another Royal Rumble rub. And he won it in, what, 2008 when he came back from injury. And he did not need to win the Royal Rumble. We were already going to see Cena rock. I mean, Cena Rock for the world title did not need a Royal Rumble win with it. At that point, Alberto Del Rio was the world heavyweight champion, but he was a face. 
I was okay with it, but it starts to become stale. They weren't really creating him and booking him right. He was shooting against uh, a heel big show at the time. And, you know, him, Del Rio turning heel and feuding with Ryback for the World Heavyweight Championship, just to, just think about how much that would have boosted Ryback's career and character. Ryback needed that Royal Rumble rub because after that he was te- he started teaming up with Curtis. He, he became heel, had a couple just forgettable matches against John Cena, started teaming up with, with Curtis Axel, and you know where that went. So him being the runner-up didn't do anything, unfortunately. But if Ryback would have won that Royal Rumble and would have went against Alberto Rio, who was a heel, who would have turned heel by the time uh, Mania comes, Alberto Rio was a heat magnet at the time. He had no problem drawing heat. The Feed Me More was starting to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And Ryback winning the World Heavyweight Championship against Alberto Rio would have been absolutely perfect for the Royal Rumble. But for some reason... John Cena gets that rub. Absolutely pointless. You have uh, Del Rio, him winning the cha- him running the Royal Rumble 2011 was okay. He needed that rub. It was a good idea, but he ended up losing his match at WrestleMania, so it really didn't mean anything. But you're giving, and, and it's good that, you know, Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble. Probably not in Philly, probably not this year. But he still needed that Royal Rumble rub. I still say that Daniel Bryan needed that Royal Rumble rub as well, because as much as he's been playing the underdog, he's never and because because of injuries and so forth, he never really had an opportunity to be the guy. I think winning the Royal Rumble would have been a good notch in his belt. But it's like you know, it helped Michaels, it helped Austin. You know, it, it, really, it helped Bret Hart. You know, it really it helped Luger. It helped Rock. You know, it, it they 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 got rubs because they weren't like huge top guys at the time. And when you're giving it to John Cena, when you're giving it to Batista, why even have a Royal Rumble if it's just for the sake of making of forcing. Uh, a big name down our throats and say, okay, well, you run the Royal Rumble, you can't say anything about it now. Absolutely ridiculous. And it's like you have to start booking the Royal Rumble correctly. And that the controversy comes with the horrible booking of the Royal Rumble match. And we've seen it for years now. If you're going to win, if, if somebody's going to win the Royal Rumble, it's the whole point of the Royal Rumble is to get that rub to ascend your character or really become a top guy or really become a champion. Man, we haven't really seen that. Uh, we haven't really seen that in the past few years, unfortunately. We haven't seen that forever. And, he, again, you hit the nail on the head. The Royal Rumble used to be something that was like almost – it was like the, the playoffs. It was this is the guy that's going to go on to the Super Bowl. And uh, we just haven't seen that. We have seen it. This doesn't live up to the the matter that it should. Then again, you bring up the Cena's. It's one the Alberta Rios. It's never accumulated to anything. It's a shame. It stinks. 
I mean, we've got a lot of raw to cover. We've got a lot to cover. Ladies and gentlemen, 347-84-8452. Pancakes and Power Slams. What do you think about the current state of the Royal Rumble? We want to know your opinions. The Royal Rumble, like you said, within the past few years, that has been absolutely garbage. It hasn't made much sense to anything to lead up to the WrestleMania that they want it to be. It just doesn't. And it proved itself again to rear its ugly head. I'm done with it. Yeah. We got Fastlane. Fastlane seems like it could be legit, but yeah, it's kind of a generic title, like In Your House or something. So, uh, yeah, oh, <laughs> In Your House. Yeah, I remember those. Flavor of the Week this week is going to be just uh, uh, some conversation leading into WrestleMania of whether Derek or myself believe that The Undertaker should wrestle. Uh, again, so we'll talk about that. And on to Raw, back on to Raw. But before before that, got another question for you and or the Pancakes and Power Slams uh, nation and you know live stream. We are wrestling dot net. What year did Batista debut in the WWE? What year did Batista debut in the WWE? Is that for me? So the Roman. Re- that's for anyone. That, that's for anyone. Uh, you can. Two thousand two, man. You are you are on it tonight. You are on it tonight. You've been watching uh, your tapes. Uh, it seems like it. But yes, Batista did uh, debut in two thousand and two. What was his gimmick name at the time? It was a. Uh, it was a. Well, he was. He was a deacon. Yep, you got it, Deacon Batista. He was with uh, he was with Devon, yeah, and they had some of the, the Devon's music when he was Reverend Devon is one of my favorites. I think I think that the, that music is absolutely hilarious to me. But on Raw, Roman Reigns defeat uh, losing against the Big Show. I think that this is a good idea. I really like this actually. As much as I don't like the Big Show now. I think that this was good because I've said this many, many, many times about the underdog pop, about how uh, the, the underdog pop is just something that does not go away. Just the, the mystique, the element of mystique and the underdog pop, it does. those are two things that even the, the smarkiest, smart heel lover fans, they, cl- they clamor to. Uh, they just the, the, the underdog pop and the the art of mystique. That's why Taker is always going to be over, and that's why Daniel Bryan is always going to be over, and Dolph Ziggler is always, always going to be over because they uh, Undertaker has that mystique to him. That's why Sting's always going to be over. Uh, Taker and Sting always, you know, they they have that art mystique, art of mystique, and then Daniel Bryan and Dolph Ziggler they have the underdog pops, and so. Those are two things that are just, they're always going to get over. Now, when you have people who aren't really mystique, uh, mysterious and don't receive underdog pops, then you have John Cena. And you have that category, which Roman Reigns seems to be going that way, which I don't like at all. But him losing a match, as, much, as crazy as that sounds, as crazy as this sounds, him losing a match helped his character because he's you know he can get that underdog pop that's you know uh, that he needs instead of just you know 
just annihilating everyone. So I think that that actually helped him yesterday, uh, yesterday on Raw. If, if it helped him, that's Raw. great. It's, um, you know, and again, the big show, I mean, he's been so irrelevant lately. He's losing to everything. And he'll be beaten by the big show. But for Roman Reigns, that's going to help him. Be just for the fact that it wasn't a clean win. J&J Security jumped in, did their thing. So, it's, you know, feel shame, feel pity. But he had a huge pop compared to what was at the Royal Rumble. I thought that was his death nail. But it wasn't. I mean, people love him again. I'll, I'll, I'll write it out just like we have to. We just have to see what's going to happen with Roman Reigns. But, you know, Big Show winning last night, that was good for the Big Show. Not really, but, you know, we'll yeah. see where it goes. <laughs> Not really. Right, exactly. Next trivia question. Is Pat Patterson defeated who to win the Intercontinental Championship for the first time? Pat Patterson defeated who? to become the first ever Intercontinental Champion. So, then we have the ascension of defeating Golden Stardust again. You know, again, you know, this is, you know, the, the ascension is so boring to me. I don't see anything for with them, for them. They're stale. The fans aren't buying them. And as much as the WWE wants to push them, I don't see anything coming out of these guys. Nah, I don't really see anything in you know, Pat Patterson, which I want to talk about them. Hey, Gold Stardust, doggone it. They're going to be in a, uh, it's going to be a feud. Maybe it'll call yep. me in WrestleMania. Maybe that's one of the matches that's going to happen, which is good. That's fine. I get it. Yep. Pat Patterson was a Pedro Morales. Nope. Incorrect. But a Golden Stardust feud, I think, you know, I I kind of think that the ship has sailed, but uh, you know, we're, it looks like we're seeing it finally. So I think that I'll come around very quickly as far as being on board with this feud because I've been I wanted to see it for so long, and you know, having it now is I guess not having it at all. So I I, I think I'll buy into it sooner than later. Right back defeating Luke Harper. I think that was really really good for him. And uh, I think it was I think it was a good idea for the Ryback to, to have that type of win against Luke Harper. I just don't know what they're going to do with them. Uh, having him win the U.S. Championship would be absolutely perfect, but it just seems like they don't have a, a direction with Ryback as much as he's getting over again. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, Ryback, I mean, think about where he was a few months ago, where he was absolutely nothing. Anything you want for Ryback could work. I mean, he seems really, still really plastic. It's like he doesn't really have a direction. He just needs storylines to help him. Like he's trying to be a Goldberg. He's just not that. He just doesn't have it. I'll ride with the with the momentum behind him, but it's it's still just kind of one dimensional for me. Yeah, uh, you know. I'll buy it. Uh, as uh, I, I got out, of the, I got off the Ryback train, you know, quickly. But when he got really stale with with Axel, but you know, I, I got back on it. I, I'm cool with Ryback. Cesaro defeating Jimmy Uso. You know, this will probably lead to a tag team title match with Cesaro and Kid against Usos. Um, you're you're putting someone else in the tag team division. 
you know, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool with Cesaro and Kid. You know, they've been underutilized for so long. I'm just not going to put any stock in them. I, I was going to say a lot of stock. Honestly, I wouldn't put any stock in them because I, I just don't see them going far. I see them being kind of like a just, you know, flash-in-the-pan tag team. I don't see any longevity with the two as much as it would make sense. I think they've even named themselves the Brass Ring uh, Clan now which is awesome, <laughs> a really good name from the McMahon interview on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. And they have their T-shirts, it kind of, kind of looks like the Bullet Club. I like the idea, I really like that type of concept. But I, I just don't see any longevity in the tag team. So if there's no longevity in the tag team, they just really just threw them together because they don't have anything to do with them. I just don't see a lot of stock being in them as far as a, a a long title run or just a really solid and established tag team. I just don't see that happening. It's not going to happen. And the Usos are going to continue to be dominant in the tag team division. That's pretty much the only team that they have that's relevant right now. And with Cesaro, I mean, it's, he's tried so much with this guy, and he can do a lot, but you just don't, want to put him out there to do the much. And so it's, you know, I, so the Usos are the tag team division now, and that's pretty much it. It's kind of falling apart as far as tag team goes, and I just makes me wonder what, what else, what's the new, the Ascension is not the new, it's not the answer. It's not the new tag team. But we got the Usos. But so after that, we've had a few other matches with Miz and Mizdow. They're going to be, uh, Soon. Yep. We got Bray Wyatt defeating Dolph Ziggler uh, clean, cleanly. Uh, man, they're just they're again they're building up Brock, uh, Bray Wyatt, and we saw that that interview, that cryptic interview. Of course, he's talking about the Undertaker, talking about fear and things like that. It's just leading to a match between him and Taker, and I just don't. Please do not have us see Bray Wyatt beat Undertaker. It seems like it's pretty much a lock that we're going to see Bray Wyatt defeating Undertaker uh, or uh, competing against the Undertaker, which makes no sense because the one and 21 and one will be at WrestleMania, but he won't be going against the Undertaker. Just uh, that uh, there's not even a rematch to that makes no sense at all to me. Just forget it. I guess there's something that you'll never forget in pro wrestling history but there's no rematch. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about whether we should see the Undertaker wrestle again. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like they're doing that to Bray Wyatt. Uh, you know, uh, I, as as a heel, I've said before, he it just hasn't worked out for him. And I just don't see him being a main event guy. I just don't see it as a heel. It, it's it's still it's getting stale to me. They're trying their best to, to, to build up Bray, but we've seen this already. We've seen this for almost a year and a half now, and I'm just not sold. I don't think anyone's sold on Bray Wyatt. It's just too hard to tell. With him uh, kind of hitting against The Undertaker for WrestleMania, 
that's fun for me because I love The Undertaker and I always will. But, again, I don't want to see him lose because that's the only solution to this Bray Wyatt issue. If Bray Wyatt loses to Undertaker at WrestleMania, it's not going to mean anything to Bray Wyatt. It's not going to mean anything to The Undertaker because that's the only time he's around. So what's the point of this match? And this doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah, none. <laughs> not at all. Then we get Paige defeating Alicia Fox. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping that they give Paige the you know another push, you know as a as a, as a baby face. I'm cool with it. Sin Cara defeating the Miz. I really like what I really like what we're gonna we're, we're seeing with Miz and Miz Dow. He's no longer a stunt double, but he's a personal assistant. So that build is is is, is okay too. It's it's been a rather long build, which I like. Um, so essentially, we'll see Miz versus Miz Dow and Gold Dust versus Stardust at, at Mania, which I think is good because that because that's two undercard matches that both have had some really good builds to it. So I would be I would be very happy if we saw those two matches at WrestleMania. That'd be astounding, and I'd love to see Miz and Miz Dow. I'd love to see Miz Dow's moment. At the time that yeah. he just shines and makes everything great, so good for him. Absolutely. Daniel Bryan defeating Seth Rollins. Um, Daniel Bryan, I tell you what, man, there's a lot of momentum. And of course, there's been rumors that uh, Daniel Bryan a- acts for a match against Dolph Ziggler, you know, because he was in the spot that he was in and it was granted. So, you know. Right now, it's penciled in Daniel Bryan versus Dolph Ziggler. But I tell you what, man, I wrote an article in Bleacher Report saying we should see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. It just—I mean—that's a money match. We we have to see it, and I really want to see it at WrestleMania. Give Roman Reigns some time to build. Let him beat Rusev, or let him beat you know Barrett for the title, or you know, give him some type of you know important notable match. High, you know, high mid card match uh, to really help his growth. But I mean, this could be the last time. This could be the only opportunity that we can ever see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar would be this year. So why not do it? I, I think that Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns would be a good match at Fastlane. It's intriguing, but I, I can see a screwy finish, but. I'm ho- I'm hoping that it doesn't happen. I can see it happening, but unfortunately, it just seems like this Daniel Bryan, you know, high is going to be, you know, dampered by some ra- random match against, you know, possibly Dolph Ziggler or some other person that would be a good match, but really doesn't matter in the long run. Wouldn't happen in the long run, but Daniel Bryan against Dolph Ziggler, I think, would be an awesome. I mean, it'd be a match for the ages, I honestly believe. But I also see what you're saying with uh, having Brian against Brock Lesnar. But, I mean, again, the thing is, Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble. You shouldn't have to do this. So it just shows that your faith with the WWE that they have and Roman Reigns. They don't have much faith in him, but it's due to the fact that the people don't have much faith in him. The WWE Universe, so... It's weird. We've never seen this in wrestling, I don't believe. And it just uh, really makes a great controversy. Sure does. 
Before we get to Flavor of the Week, Derek, what was Steve Austin's name when he debuted in the WWE? The Ringmaster. Good job. <laughs> Great job. We'll be back with Flavor of the Week. Here we go. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. As Derek always says, 90 minutes is never enough. So just a quick couple minutes. Um, I'll give Derek the floor at first. Derek, should The Undertaker wrestle again? I think he should. Just for the fact, because I'd love to see the pop. I want to see the entrance. If for the last time, that's great. I mean, I don't expect a big match or a match for the ages. However, I do believe that that's good PR. I don't know. I mean, whatever the outcome's going to be, since he lost to Brock Lesnar last year, it's just put such a bad taste in your mouth. But, yes, I would love to see The Undertaker again. It's for show. It's for WrestleMania. It's you can't really take anything that happens at WrestleMania seriously because it's just all showcase. It's Super Bowl. That's it. Yes, I would love to see the Undertaker wrestler again. I would not. No, 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 no. If he comes back, if he wrestles one more time, it has to be against Brock Lesnar. He gets redemption. He wins. He beats Brock Lesnar. He rides off in the sunset. He leaves his urn in the ring, and we never see The Undertaker again. But since that's not going to happen, it's there's no point for him to wrestle again. He got mollywopped. You know, I'm... I'm a big fan of Booker T. And as he was saying, in my neck of the woods, dog, you would call that Molly Wop, dog. He got Molly Wopped last year. And there's no reason for him to come back at all, especially to come back in a match against Bray Wyatt as if we were supposed to forget that he was – that, that, that we saw one of the most devastating moments in the history of pro wrestling. He lost at WrestleMania after 22 visits. Absolutely horrible. We're not supposed to forget that. We're not going to forget it, and I just think him coming back would just be preposterous. Leave him away if you're going to just book him to lose in that regard. But... It doesn't. It seems like we're going to see him against Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. So hopefully that will be his last match. He goes into the sunset and he gets in the Hall of Fame. So that's. I guess that would be the best consolation prize that I would like. Ladies and gentlemen, next week 150th episode. I'm so excited. JTG will be the guest host. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your Paul. Tell your wrestling uh, friends. All your your wrestling freak fans that absolutely love the art of pro wrestling and everything engulfed in it. JTG will be on the Pancakes and Power Slam show next week. Guest host, 150 episodes. Fantastic show. Thank you so much, Derek, for just going along with the ride. 
tonight with with this and with this week at 149 talking about some good stuff on Eric Talk. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, we are wrestling.net live stream Bleacher Report. Those are my two homes. Love those guys. Thank you so much for continuing to support. Until next week, 150 is on. The heels were coming. 150 JTG. Daddy loves Elijah and Ian. God bless. Goodbye. Enjoy your week. Goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.